Hi, I'm Sean. I've always had a passion for personal growth and a curiosity for life's profound questions. I created this show as a platform dedicated to inspiring change through thoughtful and insightful conversation. There's a lot happening in the world today. Some of it clear, some of it confusing. My goal with these conversations is to leave you feeling better and more informed about the state of our world in these challenging times. I'd like to invite you to think outside the lines. Hi, it's been a minute. If you subscribe to the show, thank you for sticking with me. And I hope this episode is a welcome return to your podcast feed. And if you're a new subscriber, thanks for joining. When I started the show back in 2015, Donald Trump was a mere blip on the political radar. And the political landscape wasn't nearly as tumultuous as it has become in 2023. Through the political chaos in the US, a once in a lifetime pandemic, I took a break from the show for a while because I wasn't sure what I wanted to say or how to use a platform like this at all, let alone responsibly. My goal for the show has always been to provide a platform of inspiration and to challenge perspectives on how we see the world. And more importantly, how we might make the world a better place for everyone. So it is through that lens that I return with these new episodes, featuring conversations on topics that matter to me with folks who have a similar perspective on life. And when I do give voice to those who might not share my perspective on something, my goal is to drive the conversation forward in a civil, productive way, and from the perspective that we're all sharing this crazy experience called life together. And the goal for all of us should be to leave things better than we found them. I hope that's how you see the world too, and I hope that these conversations will leave you better and smarter. And while I still intend to speak with experts on current and interesting topics, I'll also be taking a different approach to some of my conversations moving forward. It's great to hear from the experts, but what do everyday folks think? And where are their voices in the conversation? So before I dive back into my typical one-on-one interviews, I wanted to speak to some everyday people about what was on their mind. I really enjoyed this format, and I have a few ideas for other topics in the coming months. In this first series of episodes, I'm speaking with three thoughtful and intelligent women in my life about the current political landscape here in the United States, where I live and record my show, You'll hear from three different people from diverse backgrounds, all of whom have a unique perspective on where we are, where they would like to be, and how we might get there. Politics is an incredibly important topic in our lives, regardless of your background. It's a topic that was rather taboo once upon a time, but not anymore. We've become so polarized and dug into our beliefs that it's often hard to hear through all the noise. I thought it would be interesting to step away from the traditional political pundits that you're likely used to hearing, and instead turn our attention to everyday Americans their stories, and their insights on how we might reconcile our differences. I know these can often feel like treacherous and impossible times, but I believe that together, through thoughtful and intelligent conversation, we can find the common ground that unites all of us and work towards a brighter, more inclusive future for everyone. I thank you for listening and for daring to think outside the lines. First up, my conversation with Melissa. My name is Melissa Kill. I am an HR director for a big restaurant chain. I live in California. I am married. My wife and I have been together for 15 years. I'd like to think of myself as very informed uh, with a lot of different types of friends. So I'm, I'm really excited to do the podcast because I think I have some interesting things to say on it. How would you describe the current political landscape in the U.S. and what factors do you think have contributed to the, the current state of things? I think we're more divided than ever. And 
there's more hostility and anger and hatred than ever. I think even three years, even a year ago, I would say things were not as heated as they are now. They're just snowballing at such a rapid pace. And I think a lot of it is just misinformation. It's villainizing the other side and it's creating these talking points that just have no merit. And it's putting everyone into one, you know, one bucket, one generalization that everyone is like this. And that's just not true. People are people and we're all very different. So I'm, I'm pretty disheartened at the moment. It's also Pride Month and there's a lot of backlash on that. And it's really got me kind of feeling down, especially because it's so personal. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I guess on that note, what issues would you say that you're particularly passionate about? I mean, LGBT rights, for sure, because it affects me directly. You know, the ability to get a job in a red state if I had to and not be fired simply for the fact that I'm gay, queer. I think climate is really, really important. And there just doesn't seem to be any political movement on that. Women's rights, abortion, kind of the big ones, I, I think. I think those are, those are a lot of the main issues for a lot of people right now. How do you think that the increasing polarization and divisiveness in politics are impacting our country's ability to address key issues effectively? I think it's people are so busy finding fault and being offended. And I feel like there's this hostility when you walk into a room with someone that you don't know. It's like, are you that person? Are you going to you know, come at me? Are you going to, you know, I feel sometimes like I am afraid of physical violence or some kind of altercation, whether it be verbal or nonverbal. I just, I feel like when I walk into a room, that's the first thing I think of is, are you on my side? Or are you against me? Because it's not like you have different viewpoints anymore. It's like, do you want me dead? You know, it, it used to just be, well, we're on different sides and, you know, we probably could find some common ground. Now it's like, do you, do you want me dead or do you want me alive? I'm not really sure you know, cheers. <laughs> what role do you believe social media and technology play in shaping our political discourse today? Oh God. <laughs> I mean, I think now social media, I, I used to think social media was just the best thing ever. It was a chance for us all to connect, but now it's like people, and, and I did it today actually. So I'm guilty of it too. I took something that I thought was authentic. And then I read another article that refuted that. And then I posted the second article and I was like, which do I believe here? Because you're getting both input from individuals and corporations. You're getting individual, you're getting feedback and news from people and you're getting feedback and news from news media outlets. And it's like, who do you trust? So I don't know that social media is helping because you do hear people's perspectives and stories. And it's like, who is this person? I don't know them. They could all have a legitimate blue check that they're valid people that aren't trying to mislead you. But you hear this stuff on the internet or you read it and you, you want to believe, you know, the scandal versus the mainstream, more regulated news media. And so it's really hard. I mean, even as someone who I think is, I'm, I think I'm pretty, you know, non-biased, but discerning that to read an article and then really wonder like, is that, is that true? Can I believe that? What source is that? You know, is this person reputable? Even if they say they're from this, you know, company organization have this background you just never know what to believe anymore and it's it's highly frustrating yeah i actually think that's an interesting perspective because a lot of times we'll read something and we'll almost like want it to be true if it's negative or it's slanted toward our side right and it's like how do you mm -hmm. how do you do your diligence to make sure that your bias isn't you know infecting your opinion of something 
Well, and then it's like, is that person a whistleblower? And is the company trying to squash their, you know, their concerns publicly because they are, they're afraid of bad press? Is the person a bot? Is the person just trying to sow, you know, misinformation? I mean, it's really hard to tell anymore, even if someone seems like they're reputable and that they have a background that would lead you to normally believe them. I feel like I'm intelligent, probably, you know, above average. Now imagine if you're not intelligent and I'm trying really hard to discern, what about someone that doesn't care? You know, they just don't believe anything they hear. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I actually think it's funny you mentioned like, am I chatting with a bot? And I, sometimes right. I ask myself like, is this person that I'm arguing with on Twitter, are they even a human? Like, There's, yeah, I, I see people with, with profiles and things like on, I mean, I'm not on Facebook anymore, but people will send me stuff and I'm like, I think that's a bot. And yet they sound so real. Like, is that even a person? Is that a computer? I don't know who I'm chatting with anymore or who's commenting on these posts. Totally. Speaking of news sources, what are your primary news sources and why? Oh, I can't say that I lean on one specific news source. I kind of have this amalgamation of news in my feeds, whether it be, well, it used to be Twitter, not anymore. Instagram, I, I do read Google News because it aggregates a lot of sources that I like. I mean, the typical... Even even though the the good ones like the New York Times has had issues, I would like to say L.A. Times, NBC News. I tend to go for just AP, Reuters, basic news sources. I mean, it's really hard to know who has an angle and who doesn't anymore because, like, I'll read one article on one thing and it'll spin it a certain way, and then I'll read it the same, you know, same content, the same topic on another new source, and it'll spin it another way. So I'm like, well, this is frustrating. I just want the actual news and be left to discern for myself what that means. I don't want to spin on it. It's hard to find that. Yeah, I think that's fair. You did allude to used to be Twitter, not anymore. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, I I don't know what's happening at Twitter. It's a shit show, obviously. There are, I still follow news on there. You get people that you trust, you know, over the years. And I, I read their news and I, you know, they're not a news media outlet proper. But these Twitter people, you know, they would break news and you trust them. They would interpret it for you. And so I have people like that. But I just I don't know what's happening. You know, I don't know who's who anymore and I don't know who to trust anymore. I feel like it's really difficult to kind of come out ahead and feel confident that you're really getting the news. That's not hot gossip. You know, it's like at what point is it just headlines trying to make money or get clicks or, you know, have an agenda? Yeah, I think that's totally fair. I think not to mention with Twitter specifically, like I think it used to be that if you were engaging with someone that had a blue check mark or you were reading something from someone that had a blue check mark, like there was a sense of like validity to it. <laughs> and now it's like Right. It's like a wild wild west. Yeah, now it's bots have check marks because they just paid for them. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy. Do you see any potential areas of common ground or opportunities for let's say, collaboration between political parties or across these ideological divides? You know, I think it depends on the topic and it depends on the people. You know, I'd like to think that I can find common ground with anyone, but it does get hard, as I said earlier, if they want you dead or they want you to have no rights or not exist or, you know, so so it depends. I, I kind of think that like, and this might be too generous, but I think kind of 80% of people are decent you know, some misinformed and 10% on either side are assholes. 
you know? So I'd like to think that 80% of people I can have a conversation with and find common ground. And, you know, maybe what they've heard is so, you know, over the top stereotypical. If I have a conversation with them and I prove that I'm not that person, maybe that'll change their opinion of me. I don't know. I'd like to think that. That used to be the case. Yeah. I, I do think that we're at a place in our discourse where the loudest voices tend to get the most attention. And I think that most reasonable people live on, you know, somewhere in the middle between the extremes, right? So you have like the people on the far left, the people on the far right. I think there's certain topics that are pushing some of us farther in, you know, either direction. But I do think for the most people, like most of us live somewhere in the center where we just want like normalcy. And it's tough because like my in-laws, they live in the South. They have Fox News on 24-7. And when you talk to them one-on-one, their opinions are slightly different. But in it, when they generalize and they talk about something, it's they just regurgitate, you know? And even when things are personal to them, like they have a gay daughter, right? They, they regurgitate things that they hear from Fox News first. And I would love to know why that is their go-to and not their daughter, you know? Why isn't it that you... You can take your whole belief system from some people you don't know, from a news media outlet, when you can't take it from exactly what your kid tells you, who you're supposed to love. You know, not that they don't love her, but they just don't, they can't wrap their head around what she's telling them because Fox News has already told them all of these other things and they are at odds. Yeah, that's a really good point because you're saying, I, I actually love the way you phrase that because it's somewhere in the vein of like, you're believing this thing that someone's telling you versus what's what a real person in your life is telling you is their lived experience, right? And exactly. there has to be something in the person that you actually know and care about opinion or perspective that should carry a little bit more weight than what you're being told on, you know, X newscast. Right. And I think that, you know, like my in-laws again, they, they pretty much trust me. They know I'm not extreme. They know I live in California and, you know, it's a scary place. Oh my God. But our experiences are not that different. And so I think starting to have these conversations with them, they will agree with me on certain things. It's just, I think they feel that to be included in the group of friends or in their community, they have to hold these beliefs because you're, you're villainized. If you don't, you're, you're like, I don't know what the word is, but you're, you're kind of shoved off to the side and you're not included in the group. And so it's almost like you have to believe you know, all the things that Fox News tells you, or you're just not going to fit in anywhere in your community, if your community is that way, which theirs is. And so it's really sad that they can't hold different beliefs and still feel like they can exist and have friends. And, you know, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, that's fair. How do you engage with people who might have a different perspective from you? Very carefully. (laughs) We we had a conversation. We had a conversation one time and I think they just assumed that I felt the same way they did. And so they kind of started telling me things without filter. And I was like, oh, wow, this is terrifying. And I just very, very cautiously said, well, I'm not sure that that's true. I've heard this, you know, and just slowly but surely push back. I can't say that it works, but at least it starts a conversation. You know, at least you can have some kind of dialogue. But again, when you're not educated on what's actually happening and you're just regurgitating, they get frustrated easily because they can't defend their beliefs because they don't know why, right? They just know that they're supposed to think that. And so when you get down to it, they don't really understand what they're spewing out. They just know, though, this is what I'm supposed to think. 
It's tough. Yeah. What would you like to see more of from those on the other side of your beliefs? I think I'd like to see them not generalize everyone as the extreme, say, 10%. You know, I think that that's what's portrayed is that every queer person is this way and this way. And that's just not true. Like, we're all different. Hello? Half gay people I don't even really like. Like, let's face it, we don't have anything in common. So it's, I think, thinking of one group, whether it be conservatives, whether it be women, gay people, whatever the, the fact, putting them all into one bucket and assuming they're, you know, a monolith is is not right. And so I guess teaching them nuance, that there are all kinds of people just like there are in the world, that we're not all this way, we're not all that way. You know, no one's trying to push an agenda. We're just people. We're just trying to exist, you know, just like they are. I, I don't really care what their beliefs are as long as they're not trying to come at me, you know, and harm me in some way. And that's where it's gotten, right? It's gotten to the point where there are Nazis outside of Disneyland, you know, like that's insane. Just the tone needs to just be taken down entirely and just being open to have conversations, you know, being open to hearing the other side, hearing why they believe that way. But if they can't articulate it, they can't tell me and I can't understand it. So being able to articulate your beliefs of why you believe that way, being able to actually have a conversation and that's tough. And for the record, the Nazis were outside of Disney World in Florida, not outside of Disneyland, just to be clear. But I but I do take your point. I do take your point. I, I yeah. feel like you kind of answered this a little bit already, but how how do you think we can encourage more constructive and respectful conversation between people with different political views? That's a great question. I think I think if you give them a little, if you can agree that we're not perfect either, you know, give them a little bit of, of find something you can agree on with them, you know. And then hopefully they can agree on a little bit with you and then you just work from there. I think that, I think people are just so eager to be contrarian, to be against everything on the other side that they don't, they just don't stop and think about it. You know, if it comes from the other side of what I believe, it's wrong no matter what. And that's not true. I mean, I'm sure that we do shit all the time that, you know, that maybe I don't agree with. So I think finding common ground in what you can agree on, even if it's little, and then working from there, you know? But it's tough. It's really tough because everyone is so angry about everything. Oh, my God. I I don't know. I think I – don't, I don't know. Yeah, I think – I mean, there's a lot in there to unpack, but I, I agree with most of right. what you said. I think especially the anger piece, right, because it does feel like we've become so polarized that – and so like dug into our beliefs, regardless of which side of things we're on, that there's so much passion and there's so you know what I mean? And it's like, it's, I don't know. It's like, it's so hard to even converse with people on the other side these days because it's like, there's everybody's so passionate and it just becomes an argument escalates so quickly. Well, the problem is like, I have, I have conversations with my brother and he spews out this stuff that isn't true. And then when I try to tell him it's not true, then he just gets angry. Of course it's true. Well, then how do you combat that? You know, you're, you're arguing with something that's just a straight up lie, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so coming from that place, what, from your perspective, can we do to bring the temperature down a bit? And I know that's a big, 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 big question. I think having compassion for where these beliefs originate, right? They're, they seem wildly out of control and, and 
over the top. There is something to it, right? There is something to maybe middle America not feeling like they have enough, you know, enough pay, enough, you know, health insurance, whatever it may be, enough rights. Maybe they don't feel seen, you know, this, this, why don't we have a straight pride thing? I think they just want to belong to a group. They want to know that someone has their back. And in a weird way, I'm like, are you just jealous that we have our own thing and you don't? So what can we do for you? That's not straight pride. That's not damaging to another group. And I think that's probably where I would say we have to focus where your needs not being met. What is it that you're really angry at, at the root of all of this? And how do we address that and fix it for you so that you can realize it's not us against them. Like we're all in this together. We're all having these same issues, right? I, I think even in California, we make more money, but we pay more rent. So it's, we're in the same boat as everyone else. So identifying that and not making it red or blue or R or D, just meeting needs, you know, identifying those, figuring it out, finding solutions. But in order to do that, we have to kind of keep our heads and we have to be open to sharing. And a lot of people don't want to admit that. They don't want to admit, well, I can't pay the rent or I don't make enough money or I'm not educated enough to get this job or, you know, but I think that's where you start. So meet people where they are. I like that a lot, actually. How do you, how can citizens actively engage in the political process and influence positive change to have their voices heard? And I ask that from a place of, yes, there's protests, you know, for pick your pick your agenda item. But what are some ways from your perspective or things that maybe you've seen or read about where you can actually make a difference? That's a great question. I I don't know that I have an answer for that. Obviously, voting, vote every election, down ballot elections, do your research. I hate to say that. That phrase kills me. But read up, educate yourself on these candidates, whether they're judges. Judges are really important. Local candidates, school boards, that's where they're starting. They're trying to insert these crazy people into these kind of basic positions and then they they move up you know so it's really important to vote for those types of, of elections get involved call people talk to them i did some phone banking i've done phone banking quite a few times and asking people what it is that they're interested in, what they value finding out like you know why are you voting for these candidates what do you value in a candidate and and understanding that i think can kind of give you a better perspective on, I mean, because again, at the end of the day, these people probably want the same things. They just don't know how to verbalize it. And they're, they're brainwashed, I hate to say, into believing something that's maybe not true. And I think, again, just meeting people where they are, figuring out what they're looking for and, and trying to have a conversation about that. But yeah, voting, you got to vote for every election, not just presidential elections and every, every ballot initiative, every, down ballot candidate. It's it's really, really important. Yeah, I love that. And honestly, voting is really the one place where you have a voice that I think clearly, if you look at the statistics, not enough people utilize that voice, right? And I also love like the do your research piece because let's be honest, I think that term kind of took a different meaning during the pandemic. <laughs> it's so cringy but, um, now. <laughs> I know, right? But it's it's a good point to make. And I think that, you know, do your research. Like, look, people, like, I moved to a new city before the last election. And so I didn't know much. I knew, my, I knew the political landscape here, but I didn't know the candidates, right? And so I did. I went to their websites. I saw what their, you know, what are their priorities? What do they believe in? What are their initiatives? And that helped inform my decision. And I think regardless of your beliefs, like that's a very simple step that you can take that's going to 
help you immensely. So great, great call out. And one more thing to add is I sat down with my grandma a couple years ago and she didn't know who to vote for, but she enjoys voting. And so we sat and she's a Republican. I'm not, (laughs) if you could tell. We sat down and we started Googling these people. Who are they? What is their background? And ultimately, despite her being a Republican, nine times out of 10, she would vote for the female and many times the non-white female which is interesting coming from someone who's a Republican, you think they do the opposite. But like when you get her one-on-one, her beliefs are not that radical. She just thinks she has to believe all this because she's a Republican. So Google these people, you know, find their controversy if they have it, figure out where they come from, how have they voted in the past, what have they done in the background? You know, that'll tell you a lot about somebody. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think that one of the things that you kind of alluded to there that I think is really, it's actually more fascinating than I think we give it credit for we talk about but voting is actually a really fun process and i use the word fun like very intentionally because when you feel like you are actively engaged in this process and your voice does have meaning and you go through and you do again to leverage a term a funny term that this the research you actually find that it's like oh my gosh like i'm i'm engaged i'm doing my civic duty and i i'm using my voice and there's something really cool about 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 going through that process. And so I encourage everybody, you know, I assume most people listening to this have probably voted before, but if you haven't, like take that time, you know, have that experience because it actually is a really cool process and you feel really good once you, you know, close that envelope or, you know, leave that ballot box. And I think exchanging in that discourse with someone on the opposite side makes you learn a lot about them and their priorities and vice versa. You know, it shows that we're not so extreme. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to vote for the radical candidate in every election. So I don't know if you can do that. I I was really pleasantly surprised and it made us kind of tone it down just a little more after that. You know, we realized, oh, you're not that extreme and I'm not that extreme. So I don't know, it kind of helped our relationship too. Yeah, I love that. Uh, This is one of my favorite questions. What what role do you think that young people have and specifically, you know, obviously future generations, what will they play in shaping the future of our politics? And how do you think we can encourage more active participation from that demographic? That's a great question. I feel like right now, I feel like the younger people that are just starting to vote are either really passionate or just really disconnected. And I don't know why. I feel like there's very little in between. You know, they're they're excited. They understand voting. They understand what, you know, the issues or they just don't give a shit at all. And so I think those people that are voting, that are excited, need to spread that contagion, you know, that that excitement and make it be contagious to your friends, to your coworkers, whatever. Because I mean, I was I was at a show over the weekend, Brandy Carlisle played the gorge, and one of the things she started talking about was pride. And she said, These people are all gonna die soon, <laughs> but at least we have that on our side. <laughs> that some of these crazies are not going to be around for a long time. And so keep that in mind. And these younger people need to share their voice. They're a larger demographic. So there are more of them and they are less white and they are less conservative and they are, you know, more progressive. They know what they want. Gen Z knows exactly what they want and don't want. And I've, I've been really impressed to see that they know things that I didn't know at that age. Um, They just seem wiser and more savvy and, if we can kind of harness that, I feel like that's just, that's going to kind of put a nail in the coffin of some of this bullshit we're seeing. Yeah. I love that. I'm also hopeful about the generation and 
I I agree with you. There's some that are like completely disengaged, but the ones that are engaged are like, oh my god, like you're engaged. It's it's awesome. Yeah. I guess on that note, what what has you hopeful in all of this mess that we're in? Well, I mean, I always think the good wins, right? I think it's it's going to be bumpy and it's going to be difficult, but good always wins. And again, the younger generation is more liberal and more informed and they know what they want. They're coming out to vote more. I think that's going to just create a sea of change. You know, again, when these people start dying off as they are starting to, it's, it's their last kind of stronghold on what they know they're losing. And so as time passes, it's, it's just unfortunate that we have to go through this now, which again, it feels like a regression until we can get to that point where we're, you know, where we're the majority and there's nothing they can do about gerrymandering. It's, that stuff won't matter because there'll be so many people voting, but we're just not there yet. So, I mean, I, I'm hopeful that that's going to come soon. We're already seeing it. I love that. Yeah, honestly, like it's funny because I often feel very deflated by the political landscape and, you know, I wanted to have conversations like this because I knew that they were going to invigorate me and cause me to feel inspired. And I feel like even just talking about it and thinking about it from a solution driven perspective makes me feel like, you know what, we're going to be okay. I love what you said about like good wins. And I do think that at the end of the day, people want to do the right thing and, you know, take care of each other. And so I just, I love just so much of what you said. Well, and one thing I want to add is I have, you know, my wife's Southern. I have a lot of friends in the South. We have a house in South Carolina and I have some friends down there that are doing really hard work. It makes it, they feel like they're making zero progress, but they're still doing the work. And it's hard when you feel like you are the absolute minority and you don't feel like you're making any changes and everything is difficult. They're still doing it. More people are moving into these red states. They're starting to turn purple. Look at Georgia. Who would have known Georgia? So I think that has me very, very hopeful that the demographics in these places are changing, even if it's not age demographics. It's just, you know, as as housing and everything gets more unaffordable, it's causing this shift to where other states that would traditionally vote red would now vote blue. All right. I want to thank my guests today for sharing their insight with us. And I'm incredibly grateful to you for taking the time out of your day to listen to this conversation. I hope it left you better and smarter. If you haven't already, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review for the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have an idea for a future guest or a particular topic you'd like me to cover, you can email me directly, hello at thinkoutsidethelines.com. Now may you go out into the world today and leave things better than you found them. For more information, please visit thinkoutsidethelines.com.